everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 11th edition of the 1853 podcast of Monmouth's 2018-19 school year, we'll visit with Monmouth Emeritus Professor of Art Harlow Bloom. There's an exhibit of his work down at the Buchanan Center for the Arts. It celebrates Harlow's career that has spanned more than six decades. We'll also catch up with 1996 Monmouth alumnus Bob Grimm. He'll tell us about the Do Good Institute, which he directs at the University of Maryland. And women's lacrosse coach Elizabeth DeMera will talk about the important role the Student Athlete Advisory Committee plays at Monmouth College. Before we chat with this week's guest, some notes about upcoming events on and around the campus. In a few moments, we'll hear about Harlow Bloom's show down at the Buchanan Center for the Arts. A reception for that show will be held this Friday evening on November 2nd. But before you head to that reception, be sure to visit the reception for the closing of the current show in Monmouth College's Lynn G. Everett Gallery, which is in the Hughes Library. That show is called Objects and Experience, and it features a wonderful collection of collage pieces by Monmouth art professor Stephanie Baugh. The reception for Stephanie's show will be from 3 to 4.30 this Friday afternoon, and you can read more about the incredible show in the news section of the Monmouth College website, and that address is, of course, monmouthcollege.edu news. It's been a busy time over in the Monmouth Department of Theater. Last week, they presented a great production of William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream down at the college's Fusion Theater. Then this week, there were two great encore performances of Philip Ridley's The Pitchfork Disney. Next up is John Carrarini's delightful play Almost Maine. That will be presented November 15th through November 18th, so be sure to mark your calendars now. We'll hear more from some of the production players in next week's podcast. And finally, don't forget that this Saturday, November 3, over in Galesburg, it will be the 130th edition of the Battle for the Bronze Turkey between Monmouth and Knox College. That's college football's seventh oldest rivalry. Kickoff is scheduled for 1 o'clock Saturday afternoon, but if you can't make it over to the game, you can listen to it on WRAM. That's 1330 on your AM dial. The broadcast can also be heard online, and that address is 977WMOI.com. And you can also listen to it on the WRAM app for your smartphone. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Monmouth's BCA down on the public square is officially called the Buchanan Center for the Arts. But for the next two months, those three letters could easily stand for the Bloom Center for the Arts. That's because through January 4, the BCA is exhibiting a show titled Harlow Bloom Retrospective celebrating over 60 years of creativity. 
As the show's title indicates, it features the works of Monmouth College Emeritus Professor of Art, Harlow Bloom. Harlow came to the college in 1959 and then embarked on a 40-year teaching career that changed both Monmouth College as well as hundreds of art students. His show at the BCA features more than 100 pieces, which feature a diversity of styles that include paintings, drawings, sculptures, collages, and mixed-media pieces. The show's a tour de force because it's a tribute to an artist's creative genius as much as it is a career dedicated to pushing boundaries and exploring new terrains. Harlow says the broad range of themes and styles that have been covered in his career even surprised him a little when he saw the show go up. You don't really really realize how much how many works you've done over a period of time. And uh, and we when we had the photographer out he took uh, over 500 images, and so we're trying to boil that down for this show. Probably about 180 will be in this show. The, th- the themes that I use will be fairly easy to uh, see when you see three or four things together of, from the same period uh, on the same theme. You get an idea that that's, that was one of my you know, interests at that time anyway. And but some things uh, I carry through. Uh, some some uh, uh, themes. Uh, it's because of the materials. The materials that Harlow has used to create his art pieces range from the traditional to the discarded. And some of that then uh, carried over into my work, obviously. But the materials, uh, they come from everything. Uh, I can be walking down the street, I see something, I pick it up. I can turn that into something. Harlow isn't sure where the ability to see art and discarded pieces comes from, but it's a reputation that not only earned him a loyal following of art admirers, but also helped him develop an unofficial group of collaborators as well. Uh, Lyle Welch was a chairman of the uh, math department, and uh, he decided that he would do surprise me, and he made a little artwork. And, uh, and then in return, I gave him a, uh, one of my works, and that just sort of blew his mind. And then uh, he and his wife were going to church uh, one day, and his wife said, stop the car. And he pulls over, and, and she says, just a minute. And she gets out of the car and runs back, and she sees this piece of rust there on the line on the sidewalk. And, or on this, you know, whatever it was. And she picked it up. She says, this is for Harlow. <laughs> And, and and sure enough, it, it was one one of the things that's transferable. I mean, I don't think she would have noticed that piece if she hadn't talked to me, you know. When he was a boy growing up in Chicago, Harlow's mother encouraged him to pursue art. But he didn't originally aim to be an artist when he went off to college. I was thinking about uh, landscape architecture as a possible career. And uh, I loved it, the description in the catalog of all the things that, you know, you... you but then I got there and it was not quite like that, and, and I, did, I realized that I didn't have the drafting skills. Uh, and the guys would come in with their T-squares and whatever, and, and they'd be uh, three-hour period, lab period. They'd be gone in an hour and a half. At three, three hours, three I'm the only one in the room, and the teacher said to me, uh, well, Mr. Bloom, I think we're ready now. <laughs> and... Uh, Shortly after that, I decided that, that I'm, I'm going to have to drop this class. I'm not going to, you know, I wouldn't make it through. And so I, I went and told her, and I said, Mrs. Wilson, I don't think I 
uh, uh, can handle it. You know, she's, I think I'm going to have to withdraw. And she says, oh, Mr. Bloom, that's a splendid idea. <laughs> so, so there it is. I shifted from landscape architecture into the uh, painting uh, curriculum. And, uh, and that uh, worked with oils, and I really was very comfortable there, you know, because I really had that little experience in high school. And uh, from there, then, I also took a lot of uh, courses like printmaking and got actually um, a Master of Fine Arts from Syracuse in, in, in printmaking. In addition to producing an impressive and rich oeuvre, Harlow has developed quite a number of admirers, which he and his wife, Lila, are often reminded of whenever they visit someone's home. We were stunned. Uh, uh, Lila and I went over to uh, uh, Dick Griffiths. Uh, he was a, f- a former uh, in the music department, and his, he was almost as, at Mammoth as long as I was. He came a little bit after I did, but he had a long career, 30, 40 years. Uh, had bought several paintings, and we were over there, uh, and... Lyle, both Lyle and I couldn't believe that they were, they were all in a row. They had them hanging in their entryway. So it was kind of uh, things like that. Uh, as years go by, you, things slip up on you. <laughs> you forget stuff. That's Monmouth College Emeritus Professor of Art Harlow Bloom. You can see more than 100 pieces of his work on display through January 4 down at the Buchanan Center for the Arts. And that's on the Monmouth Public Square. You can read more about the exhibit on the BCA website, and their address is bcaarts.org. When Bob Grimm graduated from Monmouth in 1996 with a history degree, he envisioned having a career maybe as a historian or a college history professor. Bob wound up earning a doctorate, but his career took a different path, and now he's director of the Do Good Institute at the University of Maryland, where he also holds a chair in philanthropy and leadership. Bob was on campus earlier this week to meet with some of the fellows in the college's James and Sybil Stockdale Fellows Program. He told them about his work at the University of Maryland, and he also learned about some of the initiatives they're involved with here at Monmouth. As Bob explains, the Do Good Institute was created to help solve social problems that college students wanted to address. The Do Good Institute is about um, engaging every student from orientation to graduation in experiences inside and outside the classroom that produces individuals that will be innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders that transform um, problems into solutions today and um, in the future. Bob was recruited to start the Institute, which he says took off when it connected with the actor Kevin Bacon. Start. When we started, we had no classes, uh, nothing at all. And we started by creating courses that are very hands-on. I mean, courses where you have actual money and you can invest in an actual um, trying to address a problem where you can create your own venture. But our effort really took off when um, we had an opportunity to do something with the actor Kevin Bacon. Um, he um, isn't a Maryland alum, but he um, was willing to come to the campus for a day. And so we created something called the Do Good Challenge. We actually had him um, do a video where he challenged Um, students to make the biggest impact that they could during the spring semester and then he would come and judge the best teams and provide thousands of dollars for those teams in an event that's become kind of a cross between Shark Tank and American Idol and um, the first group that won that challenge 
was a group of students who noticed that there's pounds and pounds of food that gets thrown away every night in the campus cafeterias. And so for the first challenge, they um, recovered about 6,000 um, meals and do- donated to local shelters. And they got two other college campuses um, to, ad- to adopt their model. So we took that group and we, um, we provided space for them. We got them in other classes we were doing. Um, my wife's law firm became their pro bono counsel. Uh, our, the, one of our business professors worked on a business plan, and I agreed to be their board chair and former board of directors into an organization. Today, they're on 230 college campuses. They've um, recovered millions of pounds of food. They've created um, government-wide food recovery programs. And they're one of multiple Do Good Challenge alums who um, have been on Forbes' list of top 30 social entrepreneurs. And we even now have alums who've won money on Shark Tank um, for the companies or nonprofits um, that they've created. Before serving at the University of Maryland, Bob held other positions that deal with philanthropy and social entrepreneurship, including senior appointments in both President Bush's and President Obama's administrations. One thing Bob's discovered in his career is that young people are eager to make a difference. It's the role of the college leaders, such as him, to help them discern those interests on their own and then create an action plan about how to solve a problem. Well, I mean, I think one of the key things here is that we're in a period of time where um, young people are more interested in, in doing good than in the past. In fact, there's a 50-year high in entering college students' belief that it's essential to help others, that they want to someday become a community leader. But that interest won't translate into action without the right opportunities. And so you really have to first start with what are what is a young person passionate about? So when we do our work, we I, a student might tell me what issues do they care about? And I say, I'm not going to tell you because you got to first start out with the issue. What's the issue you're passionate about? And then you got to provide opportunities, I think, uh, and supports that really helps them take their idea um, and be able to make an impact. But the key is first figuring out what young people are passionate about and then providing them with experiences. And then they can, they can transform the world today with the right um, um, opportunities, the right experiences, and the right support. That's 1996 Monmouth alumnus Bob Grimm. He's director of the Do Good Institute at the University of Maryland. You can read more about it online at dogood.umd.edu. Before we get into this week's athletic segment, a reminder of the myriad of ways in which you can follow Monmouth College throughout the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is facebook.com slash Monmouth College. The college's main Twitter account is at Monmouth, and the college is on Instagram at Monmouth College. If you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Monmouth on Snapchat at ThisIsMonmouth. And if you're tailgating before the final regular season Monmouth football game of the season this Saturday over at Knox College, be sure to dial up the pregame show on WRAM. Then you can listen to some great songs that Monmouth has posted on Spotify. A lot of area children had a very successful haul of treats and sweets this Halloween. That's because they attended the third annual trick-or-treat on 7th Street, which was held in front of the Huff Athletic Center. The event was but one example of the good work being done by Mama's Student Athlete Advisory Committee. One of the advisors to SAC, as it's also known, is Mammoth women's lacrosse coach Elizabeth Demera. Elizabeth says SAC is involved in several areas in the college's intercollegiate athletics programs. Um, the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, or SAC, is responsible for 
responsible for a number of different things around campus. The first thing is, um, as an institution, we vote on proposed NSA legislation. So it's a way for our student athletes to give back um, some feedback and have some input on what goes on at higher levels in the NCA. Um, we promote events within our conference, the Midwest Conference, and then we are responsible for promoting community engagement and you know hosting other events on campus. I think SAC's important because it gives our student athletes a more well-rounded experience. Um, they get used to being involved with the community. That's something I think is important later on when they go on to graduate. You know, they're not just going to be at work and at home. They're going to get to know people, form relationships, and with SAC, that's something we promote. As Elizabeth explains, all of Mama's sports are represented on SAC. Um, Student Athlete Advisor Committee, um, each sport has one member in SAC. They're elected by their coaches, so they're students who have already shown great leadership within their team. We meet once a month, and each student is put on a subcommittee. And within that subcommittee, they're responsible for planning and implementing one event. Elizabeth says that SAC is one example of how the D3 spirit informs athletics at Monmouth College. Yeah, absolutely. I think a big part of the Division Three experience is, you know, getting involved on campus, having other extracurriculars. You're not just focusing strictly on academics and athletics. Um, you may be in- involved with Greek life, a second sport. Um, with SAC, you know, we try and bridge the gap between the local community and the campus community. And I think with our platform as student athletes, we're in a great position to do so. As a Division Three level, our time commitment for athletics is a lot less than at the Division One level. So you have more time to get involved and try out some other things, study abroad, um, Greek life, getting involved with other extracurriculars, you have that opportunity at a Division three school that you might not have at a Division two or Division one level. As Elizabeth points out, one of the purposes of college sports at the NCAA Division three level is to encourage students to have a well-rounded experience in college. Yeah, so at a Division three school, we want our student-athletes to have a well-rounded experience. We encourage them to study abroad and do other things, get out of the classroom, get involved. And um, I think at Monmouth, we're in a position to do that. That's women's lacrosse coach Elizabeth DeMera, one of the advisors to the college's Student-Athlete Advisory Committee, a student group that does a lot of good work around the campus. Don't forget, speaking of athletics, that your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related is MammothScots.com. Don't forget as well to follow Mammoth Athletics on Twitter. You can do that at MC Fighting Scots. Looking ahead to next week's 1853 podcast, we'll hear from some of the folks involved in the upcoming production of the romantic comedy Almost Maine. We'll also have some news about Mama's academic programs, and as we do every week, we'll check in with the friendly folks over at the Huff Athletic Center to see what's happening in Mammoth College Athletics. And that's going to be a 30 for this 11th edition of Mama's 1853 podcast of the 2018-19 school year. I hope you've enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day.